hi, this isn't Captain Kirk, but uh, I have a question. What does God need with a podcast? Well, he doesn't if he has the inglorious Trexperts. Listen to them. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, think again. Check out Ed Gross and my new best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. It's Chase Masterson, and welcome back to Disco Nights. We're glad to have you back with us as we explore the days and nights to lights and darks of Star Trek Discovery and other Star Trek shows and themes. <laughs> Boy, um, we have an episode for you today that our illustrious producer, Mark Altman, has entitled Faith of the Heart. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Um, exploring science and versus religion in Star Trek Discovery and in Trek in general. With me here, I have our guests back again this week. Happy to have you back. On my left, Anthony Pascal, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of TrekMovie.com. Woohoo! Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. We have Jeff Bond, who is the editor-in-chief of Geek Magazine and the author of many tomes, including World of the Orville. Hey, Jeff. Hey. And we have Lisa Klink, who was a writer for three years on Voyager and has novels that she has written, including All In, All Gone, and False Idols on SerialBox.com. Hey, Chase. Hey, hey. How are you? Good. Good. So science versus faith, or science and faith, is a very... It's a, it's a pervasive theme in our society. Uh, it always has been, and in Trek in general. And we have recently had this episode on Discovery, uh, New Eden, where we revisit that. But that's certainly not our only um, view into Trek in in, in this topic, um, which is so important because it's, you know, it's become political. It's become, you know, really important for us in our daily lives to, to take a look at this. Let's take it back to where Trek started with science versus faith. Um, Anthony, do you have... Well, I think one of Gene Rodden, you know, Gene certainly evolved in, into the 70s and 80s as, uh, you know, a very, as, as an atheist, essentially. And, but if you think back to the original series, he, he was trying to present a future where it was certainly not dominated by faith. I mean, there was a chapel on board the USS Enterprise, but, and there were hints here and there that faith still existed. But it wasn't, you know, in a way, it wasn't a big deal, I think, you know, that 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 society was more driven by other motivations. You know, money wasn't a motivation as much anymore. Um, You know, he was trying to present a different future where money, race, religion, the things that divided people were no longer um, driving factors. Mm. uh, but of course, you know other shows certainly, and 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 in the next generation, um, it was like never mentioned, and if faith ever came up, was almost mocked, you know, because that was when Roddenberry was in his more, you know, I'm the great bird of the galaxy, and I'm going to tell you what the future is going to be like mode, and um, I think it's the only show of 
the franchise that d- didn't have one reference to the Bible in it. Hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, but obviously the show you were on, uh, Deep Space Nine, dealt with faith from the beginning. Extensively, um, yeah. It was interwoven into the show. There was a, you know, there was a church on the in in the promenade. Um, so you know, it's it's been part of the franchise, but uh, I think that what they're trying to do in this show is take it head on in a way that hasn't been done before, and it's it's a minefield. It you know sure. we'll see if it works. So far, it's been okay, you know, and you know, so I think it's interesting. And at least a way in on this, as we, you know, look at Trek in general and these themes and at New Eden, um, tell me your thoughts on, on how this coexistence is portrayed. Well, I certainly on Voyager, we didn't get into it very heavily, but I did get to write a really fun episode called Sacred Ground, which we took Janeway and basically put her through a religious ritual um, and explored her personal belief system, you know, which she articulates at some point. Um saying that, you know, she is a pure scientist. And she believes that with enough time and the right sort of tools, we will get the answers to everything. And that there is not an inexplicable supernatural that we can never know. Um, which is basically me talking. Um, I mean, I am I am a pure scientist. I don't believe in the supernatural, anything like that. And so I gave Janeway basically my attitude. Hmm. But, of course, by the end of the episode, she has opened her mind up a little bit enough to say... Oh, that was a very scientific explanation, Doctor, hmm. implying that there might be another explanation behind it. So I guess that's sort of where where I like Trek to sit, kind of coming down very heavily on the, we are scientists, damn it, but we're not totally closed-minded. Mm. Yeah, I right. think from Star Trek's perspective, you can be an agnostic, uh, uh, and you can allow for things that haven't been explained, but assume that they're going to be explained at, at, at some point. Or you can have your faith, but we just hope that it's real and not Yeah, it, it's funny because this uh, discovery has, you know, this season is going to be about faith versus science. That's what, what they've stated their theme is. And we see that, you know, tackled uh, in a very straightforward manner here um, in in this episode New Eden uh, we basically see uh, arguments between Pike and Burnham that break down you know completely along kind of faith versus science lines and it, it's it's interesting in a way it's kind of some of the first dialogue that I've seen in this show that is like the original series you know arguments between Spock and McCoy or, or Spock and Kirk. Uh, where characters are kind of designed to, um, you know, come from a certain perspective and illustrate that perspective. Um, and the New Eden then goes down to a planet where they're going to show you uh, a, a kind of conflict between faith and science played out by this society, which is an a, a approach that Star Trek has always used in its storytelling. I think in, in the case of New Eden, it's actually more effective hearing Burnham and, and Pike uh, debate uh, the ideas than it is to see them shown uh, yeah. played out on the planet's surface because we don't really learn enough about how this society works and it's also so connected to, you know, literally connected to Earth society that it's not really a different 
you know, it's it's not a, a, a analogy because it, we're just watching what we a society we already know that's been just slightly changed. But uh, it's funny because I think a lot of fans were freaking out about the idea that they were going to approach religion. Uh, in discovery and really kind of ignoring the whole history of Star Trek, <laughs> particularly Deep Space Nine. And it's like, well, I guess if you ignore an entire show, uh, you know, th- where that's like a, a huge aspect and like the part of the core premise of the show, then you can say there's no religion on Star Trek. Uh, but I was literally seeing fans, you know, just, you know, out, you can't put this, you know, in the show. Uh, which is a dogmatic <laughs> religious. I, I, it's funny because I, I see fans treating so many of these ideas as like kind of sacred texts, and then to see them arguing against religion being in the show, it, it's just it's just funny to me. But you can find s- countless examples, and the one there's two giant ones. Uh, and and when Roddenberry was doing the original series, there was always the sense that some of this may have been foisted on him by the networks and that, that, you know, they would get networks notes where you can't say, you know, if you say, oh, my God, it must be delivered in a reverent <laughs> fashion. And right. Stuff. Oh so uh, mm. how, whether this was something Roddenberry always wanted completely out of the show and that, that it was kind of forced on him by standards and practices, we can't know. But there's an episode uh, where they basically find a planet and discover at the end that they've had uh, Jesus Christ, you know, right. <laughs> on the planet and that, they, you know, they're all kind of in awe about the idea. Oh, we're get going to get to watch Christianity happen all over again. That doesn't seem like an extremely anti-religious uh, <laughs> perspective. Which episode was that? It's called uh, Bread and Circuses, the oh, right, Roman Empire right. one. Uh, and then, you know, the, the the other huge one that I, I think is key is in Star Trek, the motion picture, where you can argue uh, Roddenberry, it's, it's the closest thing to Roddenberry's vision probably you would ever get. It's completely pacifistic. <coughs> uh, it's all about, you know, ideas. And you have Spock in that uh, story make this whole speech about, like, how every one at some point in his life turns to a brother, a father, a god. Uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily say, saying, you know, God is real, but it's certainly acknowledging the importance of that concept to humanity. So I, I, I don't think, you know, for the people who are just out there screaming that you can't have religion in Star Trek, certainly you can point to numerous examples. But in New I Eden, think you they, can ask questions, which is really what this is doing. Go ahead, Lisa. I mean, it seems like in New Eden, I mean, they came down pretty strongly on the, it was all explained by tech. You know, they talked about, you know, the people who were saved, who were, I assume, transported, you know, or at least brought in a starship. Mm-hmm. And so it, it felt to me in that episode that they were, you know, that the one character, Jacob, was aware that, you know, this all had a technical, you know, scientific explanation and that the rest of the, the people down there were more or less kidding themselves. Yeah, the, the science, it's interesting because on the planet you had Jacob and the All-Mother mm-hmm. who were essentially Burnham and Pike. You know, they were extensions of the same debate. Um, but I'm, I think Pike is trying to say, you know, who's to say what's divine and what's, you know, super technology. And what's interesting is Burnham seems to have an almost 
disdain for faith, which I think is something interesting. She, she at one point says, it's all lies, and which I thought was like, whoa, you know, that's you know, just because you may understand the science more. So I, I think what we're coming down to is maybe a debate about the respect of faith. Like, do, do you act, can you respect someone who has faith? Can you allow them to, uh, allow is such a weird word, but people don't allow it. Can you allow them to have their own faith without Even having though, like, to in this... interfere or control what other people believe as long as it doesn't hurt you or other yeah, people? Yeah, but I mean, again, on this planet, you know, if these people really are believing something that is false, what what is what is the responsible thing to do? I mean, do you, in fact, tell them, your beliefs are false. Here's and the reality. That's the prime directive, right? I mean, that's where the prime directive comes in. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Who are we to tell them that it's wrong? Even if we know for a fact that it is. And even if we... But, and, but, but, but maybe, but, you know, this gets to, I think this is gets to what they're trying to get to, which is, is their faith in... Uh, I you know I don't know if they've come up with a name for the amalgam you know the scrapbook religion that they created, but is it Terralesium? Well, that yeah, but they, I don't know. <laughs> you know, is it hurting them that they're wrong? Is it closing their mind? And what about the other yeah possibilities that they're cl- cutting themselves off from? Well, the although we do introduce how it is hurting them in that they have this big chunk of asteroid coming that's going to wipe them off the planet. Right. And, and what, what had they had enough technology to see it coming, they could have maybe moved, gotten out of the way, or, you know, used the technology that we did, you know, to basically stop it from happening. So they are right. saved by technology. Mm. Yeah. And the, the re- it's, it's interesting because if, if a divine power brought them to the planet, or the red angel, um, you know, it was like, why did the red angel not save them? And I, I think which again is a biblical thing. I think this is all some kind of test of the of the crew of the USS Discovery. It's funny because that you know the whole uh, extinction event was not part of the original filmed episode, uh, and and there's a lot of information about this society that we never got and that was filmed uh, and written, and um, uh, we we don't get a clear idea of what <laughs> the solution to this story really was because we don't you know so much of that was replaced by the whole asteroid plot uh, I, I mean one of the things that I like about the episode is the kind of ambiguity of the ending where they you know they're given this just basically technology to turn the lights on uh, but that's all shot as a basically as a religious miracle you're watching mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the church re- is a light yeah, yeah. exactly right. Right. And, and it's a light because of science right, um, right. but but it's all filmed and shot as you know reaction to a, a religious miracle I like that that I thought was you know more elegant than whatever they were trying to do with the rest of the stuff on the planet so uh, I think just that is a statement in itself when people aren't willing to see things as they are, just factually and scientifically, uh, I, I think that also negates a lot of people wanting to think about any faith at all. And this is something it, you can assume that they, these people are all quite inspired by what's happening at the end of that episode. We don't really see the upshot of it. 
but you know it that is faith they they don't actually know what's happening there um, and it seems like they don't want to know yeah i mean the way that they present this culture they're not going to go wait a minute what is the explanation for this miracle right. they're just going to oh, take wow, it maybe we were wrong exactly yeah there's none of that well and and, and let's uh, the context is that they were brought to this planet from the third world war and which was a time of conflict and that they have found something that i think would have been interesting but they didn't really touch on was the people who were trapped in that church Mm. you know what was that group like there were i guess apparently people of multiple faiths in that church because how did they have all these you know how did they have the wiccan bible on hand um you know maybe the pastor was into comparative religion who knows but that 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 maybe that they they created a new society and saw the folly of our society, which is essentially the pre-World War III society. And I think that they're trying to say something about, you know, how respecting each other and coming together to find common ground is the answer. Um, But what, you know, what's interesting is Pike and Burnham become part of the faith. They are seen being miraculously saved. They help bring you live you know let there be light you know say they've actually not only you know it's 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 burnham's worst nightmare because mm-hmm. they've actually proven to these people on the planet that yeah the the divine exists we've seen it for you know we've seen two miracles in a week um mm-hmm. so right I, I wonder too if they're ever you know from burnham's perspective is she's coming from vulcan culture and and that's another you know it, i don't know that it in on the original series it was necessarily such an issue but once they introduced the whole katra idea that becomes like what is a katra i mean they describe it you know <laughs> literally as a living soul you know sarah describes it that way um what is that there's always been, you know, the Spock's um, has a kind of semi-telepathic abilities and and things that go sort of edge toward, um, you know, paranormal, but they you can still think, well, this is a different nervous system. Or is they're, it just yeah, hyper logic? But once you get, it's tough to explain when you're moving someone's <laughs> identity well, between yeah, I mean, people. At, uh, it's tough to explain that scientifically. So how much, you know, I'd love to see Burnham's discussion of that and how that fits in with her idea of science, or in Spock, too. Well, let's not forget that in the season, a series opener, it, it was revealed that she has a piece of Sarek's Katra and that, therefore, she's able to communicate right. with him mm-hmm. instantaneously mm-hmm. through the Katra phone. Um, so <laughs> right. she, she, you know, she, she knows firsthand this whole concept of having a piece of someone's soul, although they've never really brought that up again, so they may not want to talk about that. Oh, but I, is I, it soul? I, or I can is see it... them getting into the explanation of you know neural patterns, and mm-hmm. you know we certainly on Voyager we were big into like neural patterns, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that you could make up some techno babble to to explain the whole Katra if you wanted to, sure. or you could just leave it yeah. as as is. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's tied to the mind meld. If you can mind meld someone, maybe you could basically just take a snapshot of their brain and store it in your brain somehow um, or whatever, you know, the, the fact that... That's actually, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, a whole issue with a transporter. Um, well, right. W- yeah. Whether uh, I actually pitched that to Enterprise that, you know, you have somebody who's terrified to go through the transporter because they've heard that if you go through it, you're dead. And they just, you know, there's someone on the other end that's a duplicate of you, but it's not really you. You've actually died. Oh, wow. Um, so the... There, you know, the technology of Star Trek brings certain uh, implications uh, that that have religious aspects. If you want to think of, about them, uh, but it, but it's also all got a technical and, and scientific. So as much as we as strong. joke about beaming through traffic, I don't know. It right. might be worth it. Death might, might be, be worth yes. escaping that, but I don't know. <laughs> Four or five at rush hour. Yeah, Sign I think you're done. We're done. Just kill me, me now. Just <laughs> hello, afterlife. Do you have any? Right. I mean, does anyone here have theories about who the red angels are? I was just going to say, let's take it to the red angels. Go. You know, so we're going to do an article on this to kind of go over all the theories. But I mean, we know they can't help themselves. So the red angels are are probably it's going to be like, oh my god. It's going to be tied to something, you know, because they've talked about tying this this thing to canon. So you just start running through. Is it Q? Is it the Borg? Are there the Metrons? There's so many godlike creatures. Well, there's. I don't know if they're thinking about this, but they certainly plant a giant thing in the first season. I, and I don't think they were thinking about the Red Angels at that point. But they they show the Preservers obelisk right. the and preservers the Preservers and other the theory. Preservers is a you know that that was sort of what they were all about was moving. Well, I uh, assume it's tied to the the seven red signals that popped up mm-hmm. somehow. I mean that they well, seem yeah. to be drawing some kind of parallel. Right, but who's behind the seven red signals? Is you know is right. some kind of you know and and, and let's say it's pure Gene Roddenberry to have a godlike super creature you know there's many examples of that and then q's the most obvious example hmm. um you know either that it's either it's either someone we know you know not and it's not someone like the gorn or the romulans you it know better it's not some kind of be q. it's some kind of super <laughs> super powerful <laughs> better not being better or not. race or it's something to do with time travel it's it's spock from the future yeah reaching back i i think i'm sort of leaning towards it's Spock from the future somehow or some kind of future. But he drew them when he was a child. No, when but, he was a but, child. But some, yeah, but there's, I mean, this gets into Enterprise. It's something like Enterprise. There's some kind of force from the future that is doing things. It is sending messages. Um, you know, that's... One thing I don't know about, uh, you know, the way that the New Eden episode was changed was whether the Red Angel was ever a part of that plot originally because the way it's set up now it seems pretty clear the red angel drew you know the the discovery as there. i as i understand it it's always been well yeah i mean you know, and, the, but, i mean they that, built the that, red angel into the but into what the church, i want to know yeah is just how i wish i knew how the original episode played out because it, it makes much more sense that they were you know in danger of being destroyed by this Thing, you know, spatial thing that was going to happen, and that the, the you know Red Angel is g- giving the Discover the opportunity to you know uh, maybe as a test to say are they going to help them? Are they going to leave them 
and maybe the you and know, they drew the red the angel whole, um, uh, the red angel drew them there idea right much well certainly the, the red signal did yeah you well, know the, going well, to explore well, we, it is what uh, brought them red, there. the yeah. red signals and the red angels i are, are presented as the same thing essentially yeah and that there may be one red angel or race of red angels but it's all they're all you know the the, the red angels are in control of the red signals um let me let me ask you a quick question on a side note so so from your from your understanding of the prime directive and your understanding of the prime directive did saru violate the prime directive because when they found out the planet was going to be destroyed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Saru says, it is our responsibility to save all those people. Now, Pike left the sh- ship saying, this is a total general order number one situation. Um, and that's the last they heard. So Saru didn't even know these people were from Earth. And and, and, he's, and, and he's, he's presented with mm-hmm. this extension level event. Now... From my, yeah, from right. my understanding, if he were Picard, he'd say, yeah, let him die, whatever. No. That's just the way things go. That is, my, that is not my understanding. My understanding is that you can't interfere with the development of the culture. Saving them without realizing, without the people but even it, realizing it, that they've been saved uh, does but, not but, interfere with their the, culture but, at all. But, but, and that's, yeah, what, that's that what they're doing sense. in Paradise Yeah, that's syndrome. my understanding, that's the, too. They go and find this, this Native American culture. They... Uh, aren't going to alert them to their presence, but they're going to go intercept this asteroid that's going to destroy them. And yeah. that, that's what it's the whole thing is. It's not about letting is. people die. Yeah. It's about well, not infringing. But they do, um, yeah, the episode you're talking about, is that the the drug addiction episode uh, in Next Generation? There's an episode where, uh, and I love, what about the, the, Paul I love Sor- the scene. Paul it's a scene episode. between um, Picard and Crusher, and I thought it was one of the first interesting scenes between them where Picard basically tells her we're not going to be able to interfere because of the prime directive and we are going to allow these people to die. And I thought, I think that it is interesting because maybe it's like, I don't know, once you've made contact with them, uh, it's 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 a fuzzy issue, and I think it's interpreted yeah. differently. But the, the prime directive isn't episodes. about not getting caught. Yeah. Prime directive Correct. is about influencing their culture or, or, and their well, development. Well, well it, no, it basically interfering with the natural order. And so, if the natural order of a culture is about is to be wiped out, is it their job? I mean, because if you think about that, then Starfleet should just be running around the get. Because asteroids are probably running into planets all over. You know, it happened to our planet three times or whatever. So, you know, why aren't they doing that every day, stopping asteroids? Because that's you know probably a big deal. Well, they maybe they are. We're not seeing every ship. Yeah, that's you know, another whole series yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. And it just seemed to me like the way Saru did that just seemed cavalier. Like, oh, asteroid, no problem, and. You know, I just thought they should have at least pointed out, like, we're about to change the it's, fate of this planet. Pike is yelling at Burnham on the planet, saying, whatever you do, you know, this is prime directive. We're not supposed to interfere at all. And Sir's like, whatever, interfering. I'm interfering. Let's yeah, do this. I, th- I think it's two different kinds of interference. It's definitely. I, I think I, if, I if, if, the, if the people on the planet do not know what's going on, I think that's acceptable. That, that was my ashamed. interpretation. You know, another uh, Picard, what about the episode with Paul Servino where Picard gets pissed that Paul Servino saves all those people? And and where does the will of the people that we're discussing come in? If they are if it's part right. of their whole zeitgeist and their desire and their story like in a uh Jonestown kind of thing, like we're going to die and this is our thing. Yeah, but they didn't know that they were going to die. Right. Then I would say that would fall under the prime directive. But if it is something that they didn't know. It's happening because of science and an asteroid. 
ask them. You guys, I mean, <laughs> it is a dilemma, but, but I think but it's then, an easily solved dilemma. Just ask well, them. Actually, but, but, but then you have to reveal th- that you have the ability to stop you know, the the, another right. aspect, though, and I don't and think they fair. really discuss it is, you know, was are the Red Angels responsible for the extinction level event? Is this something that that it, an, another race is interfering? Well, with Saru implied that he said this is why we were brought here. Yeah. Which is when I was thinking, OK, so this is all a test. But it's different. Yeah, it, that's yeah. It, I, I think. Yeah, it's still like fuzzy, but it but is yeah, if, 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 the if they're being interfered it. with by another, it's it's like um, uh, what's the episode with the um, Klingons and the arms race on the uh, uh, private little war? Yeah, private little war. You know, the the Klingons are interfering with the culture, so we're going to interfere to well, but basically that, that, balance. What, what, the, yeah, but once 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 the contamination is started. Mm-hmm. Then you can and counter, so that's the, are, is, the, are there re, is the red angel contamination or, or is that the influence right the original of sin culture? was then yeah. you know not to get too biblical but was was their own contamination yeah. of earth culture by sucking these people off earth which is why some people think Pike was wrong himself this like these people have already been interfered with they should be told guess what earth isn't destroyed anyone here want to go home I mean Jacob poor Jacob he's like. Get me off this rock. I don't know why he stayed. Yeah. Um, right. Probably just because it would be a hassle to take him and they'd have explained what they did with him. So they're like, you know. Yeah, but they could have just make him disappear in the transporter like they did. Right. I mean, they didn't I, explain that either. I thought it was a little like like Jacob so desperately wants them to be from Earth. He finds out they're from Earth. He's like, okay, that's enough for me. And it's like, what? Yeah, how I is didn't that, buy that How either. is that enough? Don't you have a million questions? Why are you staying? Well, it affirmed, you know? it affirmed his faith. I guess. Well, I think that's what they're saying. It's yeah. like, yeah. that's that's all I wanted to know. Thank you. And we only Which have is... 42 minutes or 45 minutes, <laughs> you know, 49 right. minutes top. So and we cut out half of this episode. Yeah. So what's interesting is so... they, they affirmed his faith and they affirmed the yeah. believer's yeah, faith. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I mean. That's what I, I kind of felt about that, all that kind of iconography at the end of the episode is that it's ambiguous. It's like, what are we affirming? Are we affirming science or, or faith here? Or are we affirming both? Yeah, They, they are not going to give us an answer to that, I think. Which right. I think that is good. They're, yeah. Exactly. They're not so gonna, much more important. There's going to be an episode with like, hey, guess what? Faith's bullshit. They're, they're not going <laughs> to end the so season. It's so much on more that. important to pose questions than to give answers. Yes, right? I agree. Absolutely. But I, I would assume so, we're going to learn something about what the Red Angels are by the end oh, yeah. of the season. Sure. Right. So we've got. A, I hope so, for God's sakes, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, so we've got about ten minutes left, and I want to ask you guys how, you know, in terms of Roddenberry creating Trek as morality plays. What are the questions or answers that this subject brings up for today? Which subject? The subject. Of- All of this. The the subjects of of prime directive and and how does that relate to our world, our country? Um, oh, you mean how is it, society what, what is the modern today. allegory? Yeah, um, and not just the U.S. but globally. And what are the modern allegories in this? Uh, you know, this Terralesian way of seeking peace but having their eyes closed and what we're able well, to do. there's certainly an argument to be made for non-interference, um, yeah. which we, clearly the U.S. does not have a prime directive. Clearly. I mean, I don't think any country really does. Right, <laughs> right. But we we have interfered a lot with a lot of different places yeah. and a lot of that for religious, essentially, reasons. And for the, f- frankly, here I go, for the god of money you know yeah. what we've done in south america is just horrifying and so very 
poorly, you know, little known what what really has gone on in Venezuela and Brazil and the places that we've, you know, Colombia, the places that we've taken over in various ways. Um, what else are the, I, well, I think a the lot parallels of, I don't here? Know if this episode plays as much into um, kind of religious zealotry and, uh, you know, if it's something like uh, Who Watches the Watchers is a much more kind of clear-cut lesson about, you know, being blindly religious and it can actually, you know, lead to violence. And and, uh, uh, I don't think, like like I say, I think that this episode is more ambiguous in, in what it's saying about religion. I don't think it's coming down, you know, hard on either side of the question. Yeah, it's I not mean, really st- terribly anti-religious. Star Trek Star Trek has certainly taken a stand against extremism and you know which is something that we still see today and I expect we may see more of that I mean I hate to bring another show but I think this season the Orville's been taking that on more than Star Trek on issues of extremism. Mm. They've been trying to wrap that into a few of their episodes but you know all of these issues of People being so narrow-minded and focused that you know, that, and 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 therefore intolerant. Well, another tolerance Vulcan is really what they're. Is another about. Vulcan extremists. Yeah, the extreme logic Vulcans. Right, they're mentioned again in, not in New Eden, but yeah, and they were brought in the first season, and they're essentially yeah, they're terrorists. In fact, we yeah. saw a suicide bomber, in the first season, uh, try to kill Sarek. Um, Which is kind of an interesting take on extremism yeah. in that it is not religious. You know, it is logic to the extreme. Right. That you can, well, yeah, that you can be an extremist in any over anything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. You know, and um, and certainly that is the case. And that is a modern allegory that we could have. And I think, I think the message there is more about xenophobia, mm-hmm. um, which is something that the show has tried to take on. Certainly, and I think there was more of that in season one. Um, it's such a huge issue right now, obviously. Yeah. I mean, costing lives. T- talk to me more about that, the allegories that you see in season one. Well, again, season one was written during the um, presidential campaign, and there were, you know, just big issues. There was the creation of the other and the fear of the other, um, and so. And the misunderstanding of the other and the Klingons misunderstood the humans and, um, you know, Takuvma was certainly an extremist and certainly a populist and trying to rile up his base. Um, the, the, the uh, you know, the episode, the season opener start, literally started with a big rally. You know, he, you know, the only thing missing was the red hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... Uh, that was woven all throughout the first season, certainly. Um, yeah. I, but I don't think that they brought, you know, that into, you know, and of course it ended that way with, with um, Lorca, which I think was inserted by Jason Isaacs when he literally said um, he was the, the evil, revealed evil Lorca. Didn't he use the words, I want to make the galaxy great again? He actually did. Yep. Yeah. That was like, did. okay. You know. Subtle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Real subtle, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. The evil captain. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, it's certainly very uh, – it's such an incredibly tumultuous time in our country and, you know, it, where rights are concerned, obviously, and, and, and women's rights. Lisa, how do you see where this show is overall in terms of – 
of rights for women and the allegories that are are well something that I like with this show and that I, I certainly appreciate about Voyager as well is that we have women in positions of power and nobody cares because it is not extraordinary in the least. Right. And that's kind of the vision that, that I hope right. for, you know, is that your gender is completely irrelevant to whether you are able to command, you know, in, whether it be a starship. In the Federation. Or, or yes. In the Federation, right. <laughs> the Federation. Klingons have a different point yes, of view. Yes, no, I mean, but right. that's, that's you the, can even the aspirational be named society. Michael. Yeah. You right. can be named Michael. You can, you know... Uh, but on the Klingon side of it, obviously, yeah. they have a bit more ways to go. But they have a whole different allegory going. Go. <laughs> they, they have a whole different allegory going on over there about Klingon baby head. Yes, the Klingon baby head. <laughs> God, you just won't let that go, will you? No, I can't. <laughs> but that hasn't but, I mean, happened have, yet. That's true. They, they have mind. all these different houses, and they have you know somebody like Takuvma and now uh, Laurel saying, "No, we are all unified." We are not divided into factions. We are we unified, to be all unified for the sake of destroying. Well, for the sake of destroying right. other we should, stuff. We should, but yeah, we should. Let's all get together and and acknowledge that we hate everyone else. Is what she's yeah, trying to say. Yeah, but I'm saying say. that. I mean, certainly in the U.S. now, there's a whole bunch of different factions. Yeah. You know, and so I think that they are they are pointing a finger at that. Right. In my opinion, of saying that everybody is, you know, that that we are weaker when we are divided. Right. And that if we want to be one strong empire, we need to be together. So the Klingons are the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> baby head. Klingon baby head. Not sure no, it's about true, that. though. I mean, no, no, it's true. I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying, I think d- d- Democrats and progressives, of which I am absolutely progressive, are, you know, there's so much out, so many things that there aren't. There isn't enough unity, and yeah, I think that's on part what, of what kind of unity problem. you're looking for. Because right. again, in the Klingon example, it's like okay, they're going to they're going to unite their houses, but women still bad. You know, it's it's right. you know, and humans still bad. Yeah. So there's there's always going to be some kind of tribalism. It's just how how small are your tribes? Right. And at what at what point are you willing to stand up for everybody? Yeah. Equally. Which I think is well, which I think personally is what the progressive m- movement should be. But I digress. Um, in terms of where Trek is going with this, um, just in terms of what's ahead in, in the science versus faith uh, sphere, what are you hoping to see in the next few episodes? Well, I, I'm not really sure where they're going with this. Uh, one thing I would like to see is I would like to see more of an understanding of which is something that very few Star Trek shows have done, which is what is life like for people in the Federation in the 23rd century who aren't in Starfleet? You know, how much is faith part of everyday life? They're criminals. That's that's where we, Harry criminals with no in. money, <laughs> right? But we, we don't know, you know, there's not enough civilians, I think. I think there's not enough understanding of society. And you know, I think it was interesting when Pike was talking to Owo and Burnham and he and or whoever was in the room and is like, that's a church. You know, it almost made me feel like like in the, you know, in their tw- the 23rd century, religious people are almost outcasts or, or certainly a like, minority. Like, <gasps> it's a church. Like, don't yeah. you know that's a like, church? Whoa. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so I, I would like to understand, see where they take this and do more of an exploration of what is life like in the future, including, you know, how is faith treated in a 
um, apparently utopian society. Mm-hmm. Um, and what were the steps to it getting that way? How bad did it get to be? How was was it hate that took over? Was it World War sectarianism? III. Right. Which was was it a complete abandonment of what it meant and just grabs for power on the part of religion? Right. Well, I mean, two, two societies. What's interesting is two. One of the things that they didn't. This is because they didn't spend enough time in that episode because they've got all their plates to spin. But two societies grew out of World War Three. One is a you know galactic federation um, of uh, diversity and but very secular. Um, and one is this petri dish planet of a, of of a Amish like religious. Uh, you know, strange amalgam, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and we didn't get it to see enough of, you know, how different are they, what do they have in common? What do they have that are different? Um, hmm. uh, but I thought that was really, you know, that's interesting because they both grew, start at the same place because they thought that the, you know, that Earth was destroyed, but Earth has thrived. Um, and it's through science, technology, a little help from the Vulcans who were kind of dicks for a century, apparently. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I want to learn more about what, you know, what is post-World War Three Federation society like for the average citizen and how does faith fit into that? Mm. Well, we're seeing a little bit Great of it question. on Vulcan, you know, Michael's childhood. Right. I mean, that is a just a, a civilian Vulcan household, as far as I know. 25 years ago. That's true. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe I'm being... Um, Earth-centric, but you're right. <laughs> they are members of the Federation, founding members. Um, so, yeah, we are certainly getting a little bit of that. Indeed we are. Jeff? Anybody uh, closing I, comments, burning wanna, desires? I just, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if you're going to say outright that this is your season is going to be about faith versus science, um, I think that they need to come up with a coherent statement of you know what ultimately that's going to mean by the end you know like some kind of philosophy <laughs> one right. way or the other and not just leave it hanging as as a mystery or you 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 choose your own adventure uh interpretation and of course we hmm. have the behind the scenes risk of you have the showrunners who started the season like last season it was all going to be about the klingon war then there's a change in showrunner we saw that the through line in the first season wasn't really fulfilled is the science versus faith thing going to peter out by the end of the season because the showrunners left a third of the way through the season or were you know fired? And um, we've got a lot ahead though that are that's really compelling. I mean, Spock coming in, I think, in the seventh episode, approximately, as you uh, said, you know, right? The, the, that's going to be cool, a good. You know, the the mystery is going to be there. Mid season, the seven, you know, the sevens bursts and the angels boost. I'm just, I mean, to mid season. I'm, I'm just curious if this science versus faith thing is going to be as big of a deal for the season as it was supposed to be. Well, it was certainly big deal in episode two, not really that much in episode one, three. And my bet is it's not going to be a big deal in episodes, you know, 10 and 11 either. Hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. It'll be there, but I don't think it's going to be it, the thing. Cool. Well, I don't know. Just a guess. What do you think, Jeff? I just want it to be good. Okay. Ah, okay, Jeff. I vote for that. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there good. you go. All good right. is good, bad is bad. <laughs> More to be revealed. All right. Well, thanks, guys, so much for joining us here. Really a pleasure to have you here, Jeff, Anthony, and Lisa. And thank you all so much for joining us here on Disco Nights. 
We are going to be here every uh, every Sunday. And if you're a fan of this podcast, we'd also like to ask you to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 430 Movie every Friday and Inglorious Trexperts, a podcast with Mark Altman and Darren Doctorman, who we love. Um, we are also, um, that's available every Saturday at 1701 hours, wherever you hear podcasts. A very special thanks to Bill Ritter and the team here at Electric Surge Network for making the show possible and to you, our guests and our fans here. Um, we will see you next Sunday for an all new disco party. So be sure to bring your disco shoes. This is Chase Masterson signing off saying, stay tuned. We've got a great episode for you next week. Disco lives. Don't you let This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.